Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 141. Today's big Bible question, what kind of person does God exalt? So happy Monday, friends. I hope your celebration of the Lord's Day yesterday was deep and rich and meaningful. Today's Bible readings include six whole chapters, so we'd better jump right into the readings, which include Numbers 27, Psalm 70 through 71, Isaiah 17 and 18, and 1 Peter 5, which is again our focus passage. I guess I've just always liked 1 Peter a lot. Do you believe that God exalts people? Now, when you consider that to exalt somebody means to hold them in a very high regard, to think or speak very highly of them, or raise them to a higher rank or position of greater power, then the idea of God exalting anybody seems somewhat strange. Why would God exalt a mere human? Well, it turns out that there's a certain type of person that God does exalt, and that is the humble person. Think about that for a minute. God exalts the humble. We live in a world that exalts the proud, the arrogant, the rich, the beautiful, the highly skilled, and the popular, but God doesn't exalt any of those kind of people. Instead, He raises up and highly esteems the humble. Now, because this is such a foreign idea to our our Western culture, I'd like to challenge us with a few passages of Scripture that demonstrate just how important it is for us to be people of humility. So this is kind of a jackhammer approach. Buckle in, because the Bible has a lot to say about the blessings of humility. For instance, 2 Samuel 22-28. You save the humble, but your eyes are on the haughty to bring them low. Psalms 18.27 You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. Psalms 25.9 He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Psalms 147.6 The Lord sustains the humble, but casts the wicked to the ground. Psalm 149.4 For the Lord takes delight in his people, He crowns the humble with victory, Proverbs 3.34. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed, Proverbs 11.2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom, Proverbs 18.12. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor, Proverbs 22.4. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Isaiah 66, 2. Has not my hand made all these things, and so they came into being, declares the Lord? These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word. Matthew 23, 12. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Luke 1, 52. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. James 4, 6, Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Well, let's read our whole 1 Peter chapter 5 passage. I exhort you, says verse 1, the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed, shepherd God's flock among you, 
not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording over it those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In the same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. The God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. Through Salvanus, a faithful brother as I consider him, I have written to you briefly in order to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So, why should we be humble? Well, because God exalts and blesses and lifts up the humble, but also because our master, the king of kings, the creator of everything, is also humble and he set a great example for us to follow. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So let's close out with a great illustration and exhortation from friend of the podcast, Charles Spurgeon, on humility. And Spurgeon says, Many years ago, a certain prince visited the Spanish galleys where a large number of prisoners were confined, chained to their oars to work on without relief. I think nearly all of them were condemned to a life sentence. Being a great prince, the king of Spain told him that he might, in honor of his visit, set free anyone of the galley slaves he chose. He went down among them to choose his man to give freedom to. He said to one, Man, how did you come here? And that man replied that false witnesses swore away his character. Ah, said the prince, and passed on. He went to the next, who stated that he had done something that was wrong, certainly, but not very much, and that he never ought to have been condemned. Ah, ha, said the prince, and he again passed on. He went the round and found that they were all good fellows, all convicted by mistake. At last he came to one who said, You ask me why I am here. I am ashamed to say that I richly deserve it. I am guilty. I cannot for a moment say that I am not, and if I die at this oar, I thoroughly deserve the punishment. In fact, I think it a mercy that my life is spared me. The prince stopped and said, It is a pity that such a bad fellow as you should be placed amongst such a large number of innocent people as there are down here. I will set you free. Now, my Lord Jesus Christ, says Spurgeon, has come here at this time to set somebody free. He has come here at this time to pardon somebody's sins. You who have no sin shall have no pardon. 
You good people without sin shall die in your sins. But you guilty ones who humble yourselves under the hand of God, my master thinks that it is a pity that you should be among all these self-righteous people. So come right away and trust your Savior and obtain life eternal through his precious blood and sacrifice. The man who can preach without divine aid cannot preach at all, says Spurgeon. The woman who can teach a Bible class cannot teach a Bible class. Human ability without the grace of God is only puffed up inability. Those of you who, apart from supernatural help, feel quite sufficient for any kind of holy service are miserably deluded. Self-sufficiency is inefficiency. The fullness of self is a double emptiness. He who has no sense of his weakness has a weakness in his sense. I believe that any man whom God uses for a great purpose will be so emptied out that he will wonder that God ever uses him in the least degree. He will be ready to hide his head and long to get out of public notice because he will feel himself to be utterly unworthy of the favor that God manifests towards him. I do not believe that God ever fills a cup that was not empty or that he ever fills a man's mouth with his word while that man has his mouth full of his own words. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Amen. May we take that counsel and walk in humility. Numbers chapter 27, verse 1. Zelophehad's daughters. The daughters of Zelophehad, son of Hepher, the son of Gilead, the son of Machir, the son of Manasseh, belonged to the clans of Manasseh, son of Joseph. The names of the daughters were Malah, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Tertzah. They came forward and stood before Moses, Eleazar the priest, the leaders in the whole assembly at the entrance to the tent of meeting, and said, Our father died in the wilderness. He was not among Korah's followers who banded together against the Lord, but he died for his own sin and left no sons. Why should our father's name disappear from his clan because he had no son? Give us property among our father's relatives. So Moses brought their case before the Lord, and the Lord said to him, What Zelophehad's daughters are saying is right. You must certainly give them property as an inheritance among their father's relatives and give their father's inheritance to them. Say to the Israelites, If a man dies and leaves no son, give his inheritance to his daughter. If he has no daughter, give his inheritance to his brothers. If he has no brothers, give his inheritance to his father's brothers. If his father had no brothers, give his inheritance to the nearest relative in his clan, that he may possess it. This is to have the force of law for the Israelites, as the Lord commanded Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain in the Abiram range and see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. These were the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, 
he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him as the Lord had instructed through Moses. Psalm chapter 70 verse 1. God hurry to rescue me. Lord hurry to help me. Let those who seek to kill me be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say, aha, aha, retreat because of their shame. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, God is great. I am oppressed and needy. Hurry to me, God. You are my help and my deliverer. Lord, do not delay. Psalm chapter 71, verse 1. Lord, I seek refuge in you. Let me never be disgraced. And your justice rescue and deliver me. Listen closely to me and save me. Be a rock of refuge for me, where I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the power of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and oppressive. For you are my hope, Lord God, my confidence from my youth. I have leaned on you from birth. You took me from my mother's womb. My praise is always about you. I am like a miraculous sign to many, and you are my strong refuge. My mouth is full of praise and honor to you all day long. Don't discard me in my old age. As my strength fails, do not abandon me. For my enemies talk about me, and those who spy on me plot together, saying, God has abandoned him. Chase and catch him, for there is no one to rescue him. God, do not be far from me. My God, hurry to help me. May my adversaries be disgraced and destroyed. May those who intend to harm me be covered with disgrace and humiliation. But I will hope continually and will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell about your righteousness and your salvation all day long, though I cannot sum them up. I come because the mighty acts of the Lord God. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone. God, you've taught me from my youth, and I will proclaim your wondrous works. Even while I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me while I proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. Your righteousness reaches the heights, God, you who have done great things. God, who is like you? You caused me to experience many troubles and misfortunes, but you will revive me again. You will bring me up again, even from the depths of the earth. You will increase my honor and comfort me once again. Therefore, I will praise you with a harp. For your faithfulness, my God, I will sing to you with a lyre. Holy One of Israel, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, because you have redeemed me. Therefore, my tongue will proclaim your righteousness all day long. For those who intend to harm me will be disgraced and confounded. Isaiah chapter 17 a pronouncement concerning Damascus. Look, Damascus is no longer a city. It's become a ruined heap. The cities of Aurora are abandoned. They will be places for flocks. They will lie down without fear. The fortress disappears from Ephraim and a kingdom from Damascus. The remnant of Aram will be like the splendor of the Israelites. This is the declaration of the Lord of Armies. On that day, the splendor of Jacob will fade and his healthy body will become emaciated. It will be as if a reaper had gathered standing grain, his arm harvesting the heads of grain, and as if one had gleaned heads of grain in Rephaim Valley. Only gleanings will be left in Israel. 
as if an olive tree had been beaten, two or three olives at the very top of the tree, four or five on its fruitful branches. This is the declaration of the Lord, the God of Israel. On that day, people will look to their Maker and will turn their eyes to the Holy One of Israel. They will not look to the altars they made with their hands or to the Asherahs and shrines they made with their fingers. On that day, their strong cities will be like the abandoned woods and mountaintops that were abandoned because of the Israelites. There will be desolation. For you have forgotten the God of your salvation. You have failed to remember the rock of your strength. Therefore, you will plant beautiful plants and set out cuttings from exotic vines. On that day you plant, you will help them to grow, and in the morning you will help your seed to sprout. But the harvest will vanish on the day of disease and incurable pain. Ah, the roar of many peoples. They roar like the roaring of the seas, the raging of the nations. They rage like the rumble of rushing water. The nation rage like the rumble of a huge torrent. He rebukes them and they flee far away, driven before the wind like chaff on the hills, and like tumbleweeds before a gale. In the evening, sudden terror before morning, it is gone. This is the fate of those who plunder us and the lot of those who ravage us. Woe, this is uh, Isaiah 18, verse 1. Woe to the land of buzzing insect wings beyond the rivers of Cush, which sends envoys by sea in reed vessels over the water. Go, swift messengers, to a nation tall and smooth-skinned, to a people feared far and near, a powerful nation with a strange language, whose land is divided by rivers. All you inhabitants of the world and you who live on the earth, when a banner is raised on the mountains, look. When a ram's horn sounds, listen. For the Lord said to me, I will quietly look out from my place like shimmering heat in sunshine, like a rain cloud in a harvest heat. For before the harvest, when the blossoming is over, and the blossom becomes a ripening grape, he will cut off the shoots with a pruning knife and tear away and remove the branches. They will all be left for the birds of prey on the hills and for the wild animals of the land. The birds of prey will spend the summer feeding on them and all the wild animals the winter. At that time, a gift will be brought to the Lord of Armies from a people tall and smooth-skinned, a people feared far and near, a powerful nation with a strange language whose land is divided by rivers to Mount Zion, the place of the name of the Lord of armies. Well, amen, brothers and sisters. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. May he edify and build you and I up as well. May the Lord bless you. Godspeed.